You are Locked On Fantasy, your daily fantasy football podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Fantasy Football Podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Vinny Iron. When I'm not doing this, I'm writing about the NFL and fantasy football for SportingNews.com. And it was a crazy week seven, a bit predictable on a lot of fronts, a lot of non-scoring. But as we kick off another week here of Locked on Fantasy Football, we have a lot to get to as we get into a busy bye with six teams off in week eight. We first have to put week seven in the books from what we saw all the way through Sunday night football starting on Thursday. And we'll dive right into that. And we started with a fantasy explosion that uh, we didn't really see the rest of the weekend on Thursday. The Raiders rallying to beat the Chiefs 31-30. Both quarterbacks went off in this one. Alex Smith back on track. Back to that 300-yard pass where we've seen all season. 342-3. and Well, Derek Carr in comeback mode. 417-3. and He really needed this game to get totally back on track. The biggest thing you take away from the Raiders is Marshawn Lynch and getting him out of this game with a uh, shove of an official there that really changed uh, things and uh, got him out of there. So, unfortunately, Lynch is going to be missing a game. It doesn't matter. He wasn't doing much anyway. But what that did was open up things for Carr, and he started throwing in. Amari Cooper had a really good matchup against the Chiefs' number two and number three corners. That's uh, Terrence Mitchell and Philip Gaines, and he went off because of that. So good matchup to get Cooper on track. He exploded 11 catches, 210 yards, and two TDs there as well. So big rebound game for uh, Cooper. I, I think it could still get more difficult with the uh, tough matchups around the corner for him, but the fact that he's now a number two receiver, more how teams treat him really helped because Michael Crabtree bottled up until that final catch there for the touchdown. Crabtree is always going to be the top red zone guy here, but Jared Cook also came to life here with six catches for 107. So the Raiders kind of simplified their passing offense. Crabtree as the one, Cooper's the two, Cook is the guy in the middle, and it really worked here in high volume against really shaky Chiefs back end coverage. So Cooper, I think I don't think you expect this all the time. I think it's more of an indication that uh he's still capable of having these types of days, but it's gonna have to come against weaker secondaries. So with Lynch out, I'm not sure who I trust. You look at the numbers for DeAndre Washington and Jalen Richard. Typical splits is usually each nine carries, 33 yards or 31. Washington had the touchdown, but then uh, Richard had the much more effective receiving day at 45. So it's going to be a very even split there going forward and hard to know what Lynch's role might be when he returns from the suspension here and just cloudy, cloudy situation as they go into Buffalo in the backfield, but more clarity at the passing game. With the Chiefs, in their passing game, it was all about uh, Tyreek Hill here. Six catches, 125 yards. Travis Kelsey was busy early, had a touchdown as well. So Hill, Kelsey, pretty much there. I think it's just a mixed bag on who makes the other big play. This one, it was Albert Wilson with a 63-yard touchdown, kind of a fluky one that uh, dropped out of the hands. So I think with the... It's still the Hill, Kelsey, Kareem Hunt shown. 
Kareem Hunt uh, still, when he's shaky, still very good. Turned 22 into 117 uh, touches yardage in this one. So typical from the Chiefs, but good to see the Raiders wake up for sure. Now we flip to Sunday, and we had a surprise shootout again here. Dolphins 31, Jets 28. The Dolphins come back with Matt Moore quarterback here. So Jay Cutler actually was playing well before he went down. When you combine these two guys, they had a monster game. 138, two TDs, an interception. 188, two TDs, an interception for Matt Moore coming in. So people say Jay Cutler, Matt Moore upgrade. I don't know if it's an upgrade, but it's... At least there's not going to be any fall off here with the way they approach things in Miami. So they come back. Some more is going to be probably starting in week eight here Thursday against Baltimore. Probably also going forward for a while. But uh, Jarf Landry continues to be the go-to guy no matter what here. Seven for 93 and a touchdown. Kenny Stills as a Devontae Parker sits. Stills is definitely on the fantasy radar. Six for 85 and a pair of TDs there from... Matt Moore late so still is this the way he should operate when Landry's the number one here and uh, Parker doesn't play with an ankle injury Stills is clear favorite there and then uh, you have Julius Thomas a little bit more involved three for 58 but it's pretty much going to be these two guys you can trust most in the passing game Landry and Stills as long as Parker's out Parker will complicate more Stills value I think Landry's kind of locked in to being what he was a few years ago here in this offense. JGI still no rushing touchdowns. Another rough game, but ended up with 77 yards from scrimmage. It's just difficult when he's not getting in the end zone. Maybe he'll do better against a Baltimore power run defense. I think this could be a shot for him that's uh, struggling even with Brandon Williams turning. So Ajay does have some good runs, but the game flow got out of hand here to really make him effective. On the other side, uh, Josh McCown, another solid streaming outing, 209, three TDs. The takeaway there is the backfield became completely messy. Elijah McGuire was nowhere to be found. It was all Matt Forte, Bilal Powell for the most part. McGuire only three carries for seven yards, but Powell was at 83 yards from scrimmage. He had 82 yards from scrimmage from Forte, so pretty much an even split. Have some little bit more value in the PPR of those two guys, but this uh, committee really doesn't help any back. And the receivers is kind of hit or miss because Robbie Anderson had the long touchdown, three for 35 total, and then one for 29 with the only touchdown for Curse. And Austin Severian Jenkins found the end zone again. I think he's the only guy you can trust. Even though he was three for 21, he's the guy that uh, is the go-to guy there for sure. We go to our next game with the uh, Packers losing to the Saints, 17-26. Kind of how we expected this game to go, but the real disappointment was the Packers passing game really kind of shut down here. They didn't even really try to bother with it too much. Aaron Jones just carried the big load here in the backfield. 17 carries, 131 yards, and a TD. A good, good game for him as he had a 46-yard touchdown, really set the tone early. So he had some clarity in this backfield where Ty Montgomery, very little limited use here, 5 for 15, just kind of a not a really a factor with Jones being a big part. So that Hundley's uh, starting to help Jones, but he didn't really help the pass game. Only 12 for 25 for 87 yards. Hundley had a rushing touchdown in this one, so there's that. But passing game really went into the tank. My, Martellus Bennett was the leading receiver with 17 yards, but Randall Cobb, Jordy Nelson, Devontae Adams completely disappeared in this game with those numbers against a very good Saints pass defense. We've told you about this 
before and uh, extremely hard here with Hundley making his first start against this team. So maybe some better days ahead. Drew Brees, not a great game again for Brees early, but he made up for it with 331 yards passing, TD passing, and a TD rushing here. So struggle early. He could have had a monstrous game. Those interceptions came in Green Bay territory, but Brees still having a few issues with turnovers, but still producing, so you like that. Ted Good Jr., Think more of a product in the matchup outside 7-141 there with a 47-yard catch to show for it. But uh, Michael Thomas, 7-for-82, uh, he's got the solid baseline, especially in the PPR league. You wish he would score a little bit more, but that should be coming. Brand Coleman got that score from Breeze here. But still, it's uh, looking at the consistent guys are Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, and Mark Ingram here. I think everyone else was a bit hit or miss in this offense uh, that's around Breeze at this point. We go to our next game. We really have only one team to talk about here. The Jaguars, 27-0 over the Colts. No Leonard Fournette. This had to be a blow here late. Kind of developed that way on Friday. Pretty much was declared easy out on Sunday. They saw the bye coming here. So TJ Yeldon exploded here. 58-yard rush TD along with his 9 for 122. Chris Ivory was also effective, 17 for 47 in a TD. So both these backs did really well. Kind of thought this is what Fournette could have done in there. So those of you who jumped on Yeldon or Ivory late as a quick sub here as an RB2 or flex were very happy with that decision. In the passing game, we saw Marquise Lee play through injury. He had a few good catches, 4 for 72, but... It was Alan Hearns, more effective, 5 for 101 in this. So Blake Bortles in this offense, they show that they can take advantage of a weak defense, and you definitely saw that from Bortles in this one for 330 yards as they still also ran over the Colts. So they did everything you want against the Colts. That's the takeaway here is that start everything you can against the Colts. On the other side, we knew if they couldn't get the running game going with Frank Gore, which they didn't, 9 for 34, it was going to be brutal, and they didn't score any points in this one, only 200 yards passing. 10 sacks, so just a sack machine there. No turnovers, but you'll take the shot out in 10 sacks any day as Jacksonville remains the dominant force as the top fantasy football defense. And uh, Colts, a lot of things to blow up here, but in a def- when they face an overmatched defense, everything disappears all the way down there to uh, T.Y. Hilton, who was 2 for 27, so nothing at all of note for the Colts. We go to the Bills, another kind of surprise shootout, 30-27 to 27 here. And uh, Jameis Winston, 384, three TDs and an interception. We'll start on the Buck side. So very slow start, but he really got going here with some uh, downfield shots. They forgot to cover O.J. Howard, six for 98 and two TDs. It was a bit fluky that Howard was that wide open on a couple touchdowns. Cameron Bray was still the tight end of choice here, six for 60. He had a shot at a touchdown as well, but uh, O.J. Howard clearly getting a little bit more involved here as a receiver, and uh, he's just such a good matchup guy to have when the attention goes to Evans and Braid and Deshaun Jackson. Evans was solid again for another week, 7 for 88 and a TD. Here, Deshaun Jackson, 5 for 73, more solid PPR play, which is good because he's typically a boomer bust player, but Winston played through the shoulder, played well. I think this was overall his best game of the season. So it's good to see from this offense. But when the game flow gets out of hand, it's really hurts Doug Martin, 20 for 49. So 
This team with the defensive issues, the flow is going to really hurt Martin more and more. It's going to help Winston's stock here more and more as he's going to have to throw. And he did all the way to the end in this shootout here with the Bills. That caused Tyrod Taylor to throw a little bit more. We thought he would be good streaming. He was 268 yards in a TD and 53 yards rushing, which is pretty much almost as good as another TD throwing. That's what you get from Taylor when he's protecting the ball. LaShawn McCoy, you expect him to go off the way Adrian Peterson did last week. It did happen. 23 for 91 on the ground with two scores there. Another 31 receiving. I don't think you can read too much in the receiving core. Deontay Thompson picked up from the Bears, led them with four for one of seven with Jordan Matthews still banged up. Only two catches, 10 yards with a thumb injury, but uh, pretty much still a tight end offense without uh, Charles Clay. Two for 58 for Nick O'Leary. Two big plays there to make it a... An okay day, but Logan Thomas stole the touchdown there. One for 22, caught his only pass for a score for Tyrod Taylor. So, interesting box score indeed, but still it's the Taylor-McCoy show and everything else is a bit hard to trust. While Winston Winston and his uh, receivers, main guys across the board, those four targets, Howard Evans, Jackson, Brait, are more what you're looking at over the running game with the Bucks defense struggling so much. We go to our next game, another one-sided affair, 33 to nothing. The Rams win a home game in London over the Cardinals. The big story for the Cardinals, Carson Palmer goes down, breaks his arm, 122 yards in interception before then, so it wasn't very good. Another bad road game, Drew Stanton was even worse. So this passing game really sunk here. J.J. Nelson, the three, 2 for 36. Ron Brown, 2 for 37. Larry Fitzgerald, 3 for 29. So ugly. Then, of course, dragged Adrian Peterson down after his big game last week, 11 for 21 only. So this Cardinals offense, Fitzgerald looks like the one bright spot that you can try to play every week, but, man, it's going to be brutal. We know that Fitzgerald's uh, value can go down away from Palmer, and that, that's just a hard to trust a lot of Cardinals now going forward. Nothing is a must-play. For the Rams, Jared Goff was solid. He's the kind of guy that... Uh, he can play well against these type of defenses, but nothing great and fancy. He did have a rushing touchdown here, which is interesting off a designed run. 235, two DDs, and that interception. So golf isn't going to be a good matchup-based streamer for you, but uh, nothing that you're looking consistently as Todd Gurley certainly is in the lineup every week. 22 for 106 and a TD. Also had 4 for 48. Still a typical game from Gurley against a bad defense. Good rebound game there. Cooper Cup, 451, and a touchdown. Robert Woods, 5 for 59, leading this team in receiving. So Woods and Cup certainly more in the mix than uh, Watkins at this point. And Cup is a better TD threat than Woods, but Woods is the better PPR play at, at the moment for the Rams. We go to our next uh, game is the uh, Bears, 17-3 over the Panthers. Really terrible game for the Panthers. Two defensive touchdowns by the Bears. No one really saw that coming. Both by Eddie Jackson, a, a scoop and score. And then Cam Newton, a 76-yard touchdown the other way. So it's ridiculous because both of these plays were made in the near the red zone here in scoring position for the Panthers. So completely changed the game. They probably should have scored on both of those things and dominated the game. Instead, of the Bears just like played kind of conservative the rest of the way nothing to see there with the Bears offense 21 for 65 for Jordan Howard had one catch for 70 by Terry Cohen that was the one play in this game that the Bears made offensively other than that 
absolute <laughs> zero everywhere else. Nothing to like, but uh, the Panther side was more disturbing here because Cam Newton rushed for 50 yards, but 211 yards, had uh, two interceptions, lost that fumble. Just another atrocious game when you expected Cam Newton to play well. That, of course, dragged down Kelvin Benjamin and Devin Funches. 365 for Benjamin, 4 for 41 for Funches. Christian McCaffrey thought it was a great matchup for him. Wasted him kind of. They stuck with a run too much here with Jonathan Stewart. 14 for 48, while McCaffrey was just not getting enough touches in here. 14 touches overall. That's just not acceptable there. Just a bad performance all the way around for the Panthers. Panthers are getting extremely hard to trust from week to week with their principal players. And other than McCaffrey, which you hope they use better, and Kelvin Benjamin, not much that you really want to believe in here. The Bears, absolutely nothing there except the running backs. Baltimore loses to the Vikings 24-16 to on the road. Kind of what we expected from the Ravens' offense. Not much to see there. Joe Flacco, 27 for 39, 186 yards, and a uh, TD there went to uh, Chris Moore. So nothing to see there with that passing game. No Jeremy Macklin in the game. Benjamin Watson came and banged up. Mike Wallace disappeared as a banged up guy. The, the rushing attack between Alex Collins and Javoris Allen in a matchup like this, nothing's going to be there. So nothing at all there from this game for the Vikings defense against the Ravens here. But Vikings defense was solid. A big field goal fest for Kai Forbath. Had six field goals in this game. So Vikings offense didn't do much except for a long run by Latavius Murray. So the run defense, power run defense issues continue. 29-year touchdown for Murray. Interesting that Murray had 18 carries for 113 yards for TD while Jarek McKinnon cooled off 14 for 47. So a bit of a surprise with Brandon Williams back in there in the middle of that uh, Ravens run defense with the power back did better. But Murray's definitely back on the radar to uh, look at more. I just think that it was a bit fluky. McKinnon was a little bit banged up coming in this game, but typically in games and game flow, McKinnon is going to be the better guy. The Vikings just really dragged down their whole receiving core. Not much to see there. 5 for 41 for Adam Thielen. 5 for 43 for Kyle Rudolph. Jarius Wright led the team in receiving. So it's kind of a keep away field goal fast for Case Keenum, and uh, that's what we saw the results there. But uh, be careful with the Murray over McKinnon going forward. I think this was just a product of how this game went. A bit of a grind there for sure. 12-9 Titans beat the Browns in overtime. Just very disappointing. I'm sure you didn't really invest much in the Browns in this game other than year-long or daily, but uh, you did probably had good shares of the Titans, expecting a lot better. Marcus Mariota, just not a great game. 203 yards, 7 for 63 for Delaney Walker, 3 for 45 for Tywan Taylor, 3 for 40 for Richard Matthews. Really disappointing given that Jason McCourty, the only really good corner for the Browns was out. The rest of their secondary was a mess. You expected a lot more in the past game, but a lot of uh, breakdowns in the red zone as the uh, Titans couldn't finish off a lot of drives. So that was the most frustrating thing here. And then also DeMarco Murray, Derrick Henry. This is, continues to be such a mess here. So Murray was in this game hamstrung. He didn't look like he was going to play. Then he was active. So he thought he could be limited with a bye coming up. But then it was 18 for 59 for Murray, 3 for 17 in the passing game. While Derrick Henry, 13 carries 13 yards, 
and two for 11. So Brown's run defense is pretty good. Keep that in mind. But the usage of Henry is just surprising. Every week, you never know. It seems like every time you put him in there, expecting Murray to be limited, you don't see that happen. And uh, then uh, when Murray looks fine, then Henry comes in and cleans up and has a big game. So very frustrating there if you own those two backs and trying to figure out uh, how the Titans are playing them. Still a uh, year and a half in, still an issue with Mike Malarkey. On the Brown side, just nothing. Absolutely nothing. Just forget it. Zane Gonzalez is not a guy you're looking at. Their kicker, but uh, another benching here for Deshaun Kaiser for Cody Kessler. Kessler, of course, was not as good. We'll see what goes on going forward with Hugh Jackson, but it's clearly that they have no idea what they're doing anymore on offense and dragging everything down at this point when there was at least some promise early in the season. Now we go to the Cowboys and 49ers. 40-10, to 10, the Cowboys dominate this game. Not a surprise here. We thought we'd see a little bit more from C.J. Beathard, but a couple of uh, good scoring opportunities were wiped away, but a lost fumble. The Cowboys' pass rush really came on there to make a difference in this game with uh, David Irving and Demarcus Lawrence. But Beathard still looked pretty good here, scored a rushing touchdown, had 30 yards on the ground with 235. I think there'll be some better days. Wasn't the most exciting day for uh, Beathard, but he did look like he could control this offense and move the ball, which is the key here overall. Four for 80 for Marquise Goodwin, five for 49 for Pierre Garçon, Carlos Hyde. Had 80 yards from scrimmage, not bad in a game where they only had 10 points. So you'll take that. Uh, Matt Breed is uh, so much for him doing much ahead of Hyde at this point. So you've expected more out of the 49ers, but there were some good signs to take away for some future uh, games here. On the Cowboys side, Ezekiel Elliott came through as expected. He was a highly recommended DFS play. One catch, 72 yards and a touchdown to go 26, carries 147 yards and two TDs. So the ability to stay away from that suspension was pretty critical here for people who had Elliott or wanted to play him this week. Exploded for sure. Another good game for Dak Prescott. Three TDs as well. 234-3. and three, That one to Elliott is one to Des Bryant and Jason Witten. Short ones in the red zone as well. So very uh, productive game for the entire Cowboys offense. Just a product of the 49ers defense. Still having a lot of issues. Uh, We'll see what happens here uh, coming up before the Cowboys. With the Redskins up next, it'll be a little trickier to run the ball and pass it. And uh, we'll see there. Elliott is going to definitely play in one more game. But uh, that's what you kind of take away from the Cowboys' business as usual against a weaker opponent. We go to our next game as we stay in this late game window. 24-7, the Seahawks all over the Giants. The takeaway here is Russell Wilson. He could have had a bigger game. He had some drops early from his guys, especially Jimmy Graham, twice in the end zone. But two, 334 yards, three TDs. Graham did drop a touchdown earlier, but he made amends by catching one late to put the game away. Three for 51 a TD. Could have been a lot more with all the targets he had in this one. But uh, good to see him still come through, even in a bad game. Doug Baldwin, fully healthy from the growing injury out of the bye. Looked like the usual Doug Baldwin, nine catches. 90 yards in TD. He had a bit of a skirmish there on the sideline with Tom Cable, but fired up. This seemed to lit a spark in the Seahawks offense coming out of a bye. Paul Richardson also had a long t- TD here, 2 for 61 TD. So clearly he's ahead of Tyler Lockett. CJ Procise returned, but we knew he was going to be faded here because of uh, issues there with the, the ankle still recur- 
recurring there. So J.D. McKissick didn't do much as the change of pace back. Thomas Rawls and Nate Lacey, pretty much the same back. 11 for 36, 11 for 34 were their lines in the rushing game. So what's what's all adding up to is they're going back to the up-tempo Wilson spread the ball around. Tough matchup up front against the Giants. They moved him around. Wilson used his mobility, threw the ball downfield. The offensive line played a little bit better. And uh, you saw the results here. So Wilson is a takeaway that if we see a Wilson like this, then you are very happy on the road against a tough defense. That means he's going to be in control of this offense going forward, and that's fantastic if you're a Wilson owner for sure. If you were looking and if you have some depth of quarterbacks, say you have Carson Wentz or someone like that behind Wilson or Deshaun Watson, I think this is a good time to trade Wilson as well. So keep that in mind coming out of this one if you can get some value, especially from the Aaron Rodgers or Carson Palmer or Jay Cutler owners in your league. They might be looking for a big upgrade and you can help yourself at uh, running back or wide receiver elsewhere. With the Eli Manning of the Giants, the one uh, source of offense consistently here is Evan Ingram. Orleans Darkwood did his best, 9 for 35, but the game flow got out of hand here. But Darkwood still leading the backfield there, but Evan Ingram still the top receiver. Sterling Shepard didn't uh, really play in this one, so he had Evan Ingram 6 for 60 in a touchdown. So he's going to be the clear number one receiver here in New York when uh, there is no... Uh, Shepard as well, but uh, I think it's going to still maintain even when Shepard returns here because Eli Manning, the Ole Miss, Ole Miss connection, definitely is a trust here for sure. We go to our next game. It is the Bengals and Steelers, pretty much all Steelers, 29-14. to Here, Ben Roethlisberger, 224-2. You're looking for that solid baseline game. He delivers it here. Those two TDs went to Antonio Brown, 4 for 65 TD. Brown typically gets bottled up by the Bengals, so you were happy to see that, that he was able to get in the end zone, even with the limited yardage today. Juju Smith-Schuster, clearly the number two receiver here, was wide open for his 31-yard touchdown, so he scored here for the third time this season, so pretty much extending behind Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell, it's Juju Smith-Schuster, no one really else of reliable sources here. Le'Veon Bell, what can you say? 35 carries, 134 yards, and added three catches for one for 58 yards. So when you look at that, at 192-yard day, and the volume is incredible here, 38. Just unrelentless. They know this is the ticket to win the games. Mike Tomlin's got to be loving this. Defense and running game, winning games more for Bengals. Speaking of defense against the Bengals, 142 and a Two TDs and two interceptions for Andy Dalton. So pretty ugly day for Dalton. In the end of the game, he just threw away a fourth down play, which is very bizarre. So just bad decisions overall. A.J. Green was really bottled up by the Steelers, 3 for 41. Brandon LaFell, Tyler Croft had the TDs here. So the one good takeaway is that Joe Mixon, before the game got out of hand, had some good play here. Seven carries for 40 yards. Unfortunately, they didn't stick with him. Three for 20 receiving. So the clear thing was that Mixon took over this backfield uh, post by here for the Bengals. And that's really the only positive here. Another game, as we go into the late window, that was all one team, 21 to nothing. Three shutouts, count them, three shutouts here in uh, week seven. We almost had a fourth. We'll get to that in our last game here in a moment. But you look at the Chargers, 21 to nothing. 
really disappointing game for the Chargers, even though when you look at that score, Phillip Rivers solid with two TDs here, one but only 183 yards. Melvin Gordon erased by the Broncos' run defense, 18 for 38, and he didn't really uh, do much in the passing game, one for six. Hunter Henry solid again. We mentioned it was kind of the Gordon-Rivers-Henry show, four for 73 again for Henry. So third straight week of a solid game for Henry, even without a touchdown. And we look at uh, Keenan Allen, came in banged up, 3 for 41, really didn't do much here. Travis Benjamin really bailed out Rivers with a 42-yard TD. He probably didn't play him. He also had a punt return TD here in this one for uh, 65 yards. So it's pretty much the Travis Benjamin show here for the offense. uh, As Austin Elkler scored the other touchdown on a short pass from uh, Rivers. So that probably didn't make Gordon owners very happy on a bad day for their back. But that's what happened. The Broncos really didn't put up a fight here at all. Demarius Thomas... We just realized with that, Emmanuel Sanders just took out of the game easily by Casey Hayward, and that's not a good sign. Your number one receiver, that shouldn't happen. I mean, they were doing their best to get the ball to him, Trevor Simeon, but uh, Thomas really didn't help. He needed to win and get open to help Simeon, and that did not materialize in this game. And then the Broncos couldn't stick with their running game with C.J. Anderson. He had some success, one running 11 touches for... uh, 61 yards in this game. So there were some signs of Anderson that could have done something if the game would have been a little closer, but just uh, brutal here as things got out of hand. And uh, I think they just, the Chargers could easily tee off on Trevor Simeon in this one. And that's becoming a bad theme here for the Broncos offense going forward. So they need some changes, but Anderson is the only guy that you can really look at. Thomas, I think, will have better days, but it's clear that he needs Emmanuel Sanders to open up things for his receiving. Now the Falcons were almost shut out for the fourth team here, but they did manage seven points. So it was almost like the second half in overtime of the Super Bowl, except the Falcons managed a garbage touchdown here, 23-7. to Patriots win. Tom Brady had a solid game, 249 for two. It could have been bigger. There's a lot of field goals going on here for the Patriots. Three field goals for Guskowski. A lot of fog there that really... The Patriots didn't have to take too many chances when they were up and in control of this game with their defense playing well. But uh, Brady's still solid with the 249-2. and two. The backfield was a little bit cloudier again, but uh, James White did get in the end zone as receiver. 5 for 28 and a touchdown to go with 4 for 19. Deion Lewis, again, was the leading rusher, 13 for 76. So Mike Gilsley is pretty much off the radar, especially with Rex Burkhead also in the mix, now taking away touches in the rushing and receiving attack for the Patriots. So you're pretty much hoping for a touchdown from one of these guys. It was James White in particular doing the damage this week. The receiving core, Brand Cooks, it was good to see him get involved in a short touchdown pass with a little uh, shovel there from uh, Brady, 4 for 65 in TED. Chris Hogan was uh, bottled up, banged up a little bit, 4 for 71. Had a shot at a touchdown early in the game, disappeared. Gronkowski, 3 for 20, 51 here. 27-yard play, but they didn't really need him much again once they were in control of the game. Didn't really force it to him, so that kind of limited his values because the Falcons couldn't make this a shootout. Falcons, again, disappointing game for Matt Ryan. 233 yards only after every quarterback had gone for 300. And a TD here for Ryan, but it went late to Julio Jones. At least Julio Jones owners are happy with his 9-for-99 TD line to get back on track with his uh, first score. Here, you'll take that, especially because it came in the red zone, but 
Ryan actually had to make up for his uh, points with 37 yards rushing. So still not the explosive, explosive game. We're looking for a lot of that's tied for play calling. But uh, at least Matt Ryan did something for you and Julio did a lot of something for you in garbage time. Devontae Freeman in the backs, they were really taken out of this game. 12 for 72, did rush well, but didn't get enough opportunities here. Recurring theme here for the Falcons dating back to the Super Bowl. And then uh, Tevin Coleman, a blip here. Steve Sarkeesian, the play calling is just really bad at this point. Austin Hooper having one reception is really inexcusable in this one. So they need to fix a lot of things with the Falcons offense. And I don't know if a matchup with the Jets is going to do that at all. So there you have it. There's a look at the first 14 games of the uh, Week 7 schedule, breaking down the fallout from a fantasy football perspective. Please get this podcast on iTunes to get it delivered to you uh, on a daily basis here during the weeks of the fantasy football season. Check out all the great podcasts on the Locked On Network. For Locked On Fantasy Football, this has been Vinny Iyer. We'll see you next time.